Is this the end? Is this the end? Is this what it's all come down to? Is this how society ends? Will we devolve into the end of Western civilization? Will capitalism collapse as we turn to a barter system with toilet paper as premium currency? Or is this mass hysteria? For the definitive answers, which have been in short supply since this whole pandemic has been announced, we turn to Mike Jansen and myself, Chris Fluke, for those definitive answers, because you can't get them anywhere else, and that's why you tune into Unscripted for the definitive answers to all of life's questions. So, of course, we are joined here by the one and only Mike Jansen, the other half of the Can-Am connection here. And Mike, how is it in self-isolation? Well, uh, <laughs> first of all, I have a question for you before I get into that. Uh, when do they, when do they, when does it, when did it officially become a pandemic? That's what I want to know. Uh, the World Health Organization, who they announced it a while back, a few days ago, I think at least. It's been, a, I mean, things have happened so fast here. It's hard to believe that they were playing games just, you know, three days ago. The Oilers were playing. That seems like weeks ago. So, I, but I mean, no, it's it's been, I think, a few days now officially that they uh, declared it a pandemic. The World Health Organization. So, yeah, it's it's been a little bit. So they're they're the they're the governing body of this, and they're the ones that made the they made the proclamation and made the decision that it had gotten to pandemic state. And when they announce it, that means that's the state we're in. So they're kind of they're kind of quarterbacking this, if you will. That's right. Uh, from what I've been able to glean from my research, uh, a pandemic is not an official thing in that it, there's no. It's not like you get to an exact number of cases and oh now it's a pandemic instead of an epidemic. Uh, uh-huh. It's it's kind of just a general declaration, more for you know awareness. And we've had pandemics in the last few years that, you know, well nothing's really gotten this type of traction before in terms of reaction from sports leagues and and all that and governments and all that. Even though it looks like, I mean, we don't know how this thing's going to play out, but it looks like so far the swine flu was worse. Really, in terms of now, if we wouldn't have taken these measures to shut everything down, maybe this one would have been worse, and it still could be. We really don't know when it's going to crest or how bad it's going to get. But there are lots of good signs here. The mortality rate is relatively low, and it it's uh, it it doesn't look like the end of the world to me, at least. No, I, I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean, um, I'm still trying to, and again. I want people out in unscripted land to understand that these are just my opinions. I have no basis of fact. I'm sitting here in my basement with no notes. Um, I'm doing this free willy. Um, but I'm still trying to figure out why. And and this is the sports fan in me. I mean, this is something that's never happened to me. I mean, the last time we had a shutdown of this magnitude was for World War II. And I'm old, but I wasn't around for World War II. So... This is the first time in uh, what, 80 years since the 1940s that we've had this kind of shutdown. And so obviously myself and a lot of other people, yourself obviously, are kind of trying to figure this out. We're kind of going by the seat of our pants here. 
uh, trying to find life without sports. There have been tragedies uh, throughout our lives, your life, my life, but they've always we've always used sports as an escape. Now we don't have that option. I, I think that we're we're bored uh, trying to figure out what to do with all this time on our hands. Literally, um, you can only wash your hands so many damn times. But you know this is something new for me and and uh, and for all of us for sure. But for the true diehard sports fans, especially as we get into the the really good parts of the NBA season, the NHL season, we get into the the um, major championships in professional golf, the ones that are worth watching. Uh, the Masters is coming. Well, it's not. It's been canceled or postponed, I should say. I want to make sure that I'm clear about that. The Masters has officially just been postponed to this point. But that's going to be difficult to reschedule, and I'll get into that later. But I'm just wondering why. And again, as I just said to you before we started, I may be very naive about this. But I don't understand why we cannot um, play the games. but in empty buildings. Um, I just, again, I, I know that the, and, and obviously everybody was sent into the next stratosphere as soon as Rudy Gobert was diagnosed with the coronavirus. And then ultimately Donovan Mitchell was also tested positive for the coronavirus. But if you saw what, like I did on, I believe Wednesday night was a early round game in the Big Ten tournament, and the coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Fred Hoiberg, sat on the bench and looked like death warmed over, and everybody thought, well, maybe Coach Hoiberg has been inflicted with the corona, the, uh, corona disease. And all of a sudden, yes, with four minutes left in the game, they took him out of the arena and took him to a local Indianapolis hospital, and it found out he just had a severe case of influenza. So why... We can't play these games with minimal, you know, uh, bare essential staff, players, coaches, uh, television crews, announcers, trainers, but, you know, void of fans. I'm just trying to quite – and I know everybody's got to be a little bit more sensitive and everybody's got to be, you know, uh, on high alert. I totally understand that, but I'm just, again, wondering – why in some cases we can't play these games and just have empty houses. That's all. Well, both the UFC and Bellator, the top two mixed martial arts leagues in North America, both of them are running, <clears throat> excuse me, are running today. And the UFC is in Brazil. And yeah, both of them are running with empty arenas. I think well, there's two things. Number one, of course, is the optics of it. If everyone else shuts down and you're running around acting unconcerned, I mean, that can be bad PR for a company. But also, even if you have minimal people, you still have the fighters or the athletes and you still have the camera people and the crew and a bunch of people. There's still a lot of people flying all over the place. In this case, you're taking people from North America down to Brazil. And so that's still, I mean, if anyone there was an issue, you're you're still transferring various germs you know, back and forth. So I think if we had a, a better test, or if it was faster. I mean, I, it does exist in the world. I've heard that in South Korea, they have drive-up clinics now. You can literally drive up and take a test, and they can have your results in 10 minutes. But because a lot of the world doesn't have this yet, it's it's difficult. I mean, if everyone in the UFC could just maybe, or maybe in the NHL, it would be a better example, 
maybe for everyone in the NHL or the NBA could just take a test and then hop on a plane and they could quickly test everyone as you're coming in the arena. Maybe that would work. Uh, well, but, you know, yeah. the funny thing is, and, and this is my sick mind at its very level best, but, you know, the UFC, MMA, as they continue on in empty arenas and sports fans like me are void of having something to watch or something to bet on. Um, I think they're, and again, uh, just bear with me as I say this, but I think the UFC and the MMA may take some initial criticism for doing this. Uh, but ultimately, I think they're going to get some new fans they could. to come watch their sport because fans like me that are devoid of basketball, hockey, uh, golf right now are going to be just, they'll watch anything and they'll watch competition. And I think um, I think there might be a few more bred fans, if you will, of the UFC and MMA because of this. I I personally uh, felt that golf could have continued. Um, now Rory McIlroy, I think the other day said it perfectly that he believed that it should go on with no fans. But and and if and if if there is a golfer that ends up testing positive, you shut her down right there. But until that happens, I think there could have been some real new golf fans because, again, for that same reason that I just posed with the MMA and UFC, I think ultimately you could have had more golf fans in tune and become more interested in the game just out of out of sheer boredom and sheer, sheer lack of options of watching competition. And um, I understand why the NBA did it as soon as the Utah Jazz guys got got inflicted with it i understand that um and i and i and again i follow suit with you that we are a copycat league and 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 we're a copycat world and as soon as someone did it they all had to do it but uh i'm just wondering if there could have been something you know i i'm i am a bit surprised that the ufc and mma have continued on because i mean is there more is there a more violent sport and the way to trans transmit or trans whatever pass along the disease with two people in the middle of the ring beating the crap out of each other i mean that's a quick way to get it if one of the fighters is inflicted but uh, i just think in a really weird way the ufc and mma might find some more numbers coming their way for people that are just sick and tired of watching reruns of of, of silly old sitcoms or regular tv and they miss their they miss their competition fix that they get from professional sports. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I got alerts on my phone and iPad and everything today from TSN talking about, hey, like, you need to watch uh, this big event. And it's like, I'm getting all these notes. I'm like, what event is happening? Whatever. And it's rugby. And I'm like, whoa, like, hey, rugby's on every channel. Okay, that's exciting. But uh, no, I mean, I don't think I'm going to become a rugby fan from this, but some people could become UFC fans, certainly. So I think that's good. One thought I had that no one's really talked about, and this would be if we have these really quick tests, like no more than 10 minutes wait, uh, like they do in South Korea. What if the gathering in arenas for a sports event was a good thing, not a bad thing? And when I say that, I mean, if we have these fast tests, and let's say you make it so, okay, Euler game will go on tonight, but it's going to be, you know, at 7 or 7.30, whatever normal time, but you need to get there really, really, really early. 
Okay, and so then you everyone who goes into the arena has to be tested. So not only would it be safe, but we would actually be screening people and testing people who might not otherwise be tested, and therefore identifying these people and finding out because it's estimated right now there could be thousands, millions of people around the world, whatever, who have the disease and don't know it. There's some really mild strains of it. Even the worst strains aren't very deadly to younger people and healthy people. It's mostly just to seniors or people with underlying medical conditions. So if we could have a fast test, and it sounds like South Korea already does, and you know we could test a few people at a time as they're waiting in line for the arena, you make it this big story that you tell your kids and your grandkids someday, like, hey, I went to the game during the COVID-19 outbreak, and I stood in line all day, and and uh, yeah, we uh, we got the tests and all that type of stuff. So, um, I mean, I guess there could be problems like maybe they think, yeah, well, no, you're going to transmit it to other people in line before you get the test or something. But it would just be neat if there was a way to actually have people show up and be tested immediately and actually find new cases instead of it being a negative that all these people are getting together in one place. Well, you know, I don't think you can exhaust any option right now i think ultimately that's a that's a fair scenario it seems to be a win-win the negative is going to be who's going to pay for this and every national hockey league nba uh, major league baseball uh, all the leagues that have been shut down right now are losing massive amounts of money every day and is a is an owner going to be wanting to pony up to pay for all these tests for I don't know how many potentially can be can fit into the Rogers Arena up in Edmonton, as an example, or or the uh, Saddle Dome down here. I know it's about nineteen thousand at the Saddle Dome, but who's going to pay? Who's going to fit the bill to to administer nineteen thousand tests? That's going to be a question. I mean, there's a solution, and I think it's a good one. But again, as I've said from day one of Unscripted, um, when I was no help to you as you're trying to figure out how to get the buttons pushed and how to get this up, I've said from day one is that the world in regard to sports revolves around the almighty dollar. And that is so very true here today as well. And I thought, to be honest, that there'd be a little bit more pushback uh, from owners. Now, again, once we had the Utah Jazz uh, contract this disease, then it became a different game in the NBA for sure. And the five teams, I heard this morning that the Toronto Raptors and Mass were the last team to play the Utah Jazz, and they tested everybody in their traveling party, and all of them uh, were tested or proved to be negative. So that's a positive for sure. But uh, everything revolves around the almighty dollar. I would imagine um, that the hiatus and I don't know if that's the proper word, but that's the only one I have in my head right now, that this hiatus from um, these sports is going to be, and, and maybe partially for me, this is more hopeful thinking than anything else because there's a lot riding on the NBA and NHL seasons right now. They, they're, they're too deep in the seasons not to award a champion. Um, but I just truly believe in my heart of hearts that this hiatus is going to be probably in around 30 days, 30 to 40 days, because I just think there are too many limp dick owners out there that aren't going to take empty houses week after week after week. And he keeps seeing his players. They seem to be healthy. They're working out. They're doing their thing. 
I would imagine this is going to go somewhere between 30 and 40 days because anytime after that, I think the patients will have worn off from, again, from these limptic owners that only think about themselves and their bottom lines. And I think for us hardcore sports fans, that's the number, meaning 30 to 40 days. I think that's the number that we have to look at. If it goes beyond that, you're going to have a hell of a time trying to reschedule games. You're not going to get a full 82-game schedule in now for the National Hockey League. You're not going to get a full 82-game in a season in for the NBA. And you are certainly, certainly, and I, I've heard this as recently as this morning, that Major League Baseball is looking to postpone opening day into the month of June. Well, you're sure as hell not going to get a 162-game schedule if you don't start in June. So we're going to have a shortened season in all big-time sports, um, except the NFL right now. And, uh, but I think the magic number is somewhere between 30 and 40 days just because of impatient owners. That's interesting. Well, the good thing about the social pressure with this whole pandemic that's going on right now is that I think you can get pretty much any government to pony up for any dollars for any sort of test or treatment related to this disease. So I think that money is there. But when you speak about, well, first of all, there's a couple of good points you had there. Uh, all the leagues, yeah, all the leagues except for the NHL, I think, are actually not in a bad state because the NFL, I, I don't imagine, will be affected by this or very, very minimally, if anything. Nothing with the regular season, I don't think. And for Major League Baseball, look, they don't need 162 games. If they have to miss a few of those 162, that's not a big deal, especially if they have you know, a bunch of time to prepare for that. So, And it happens before their season even starts. That's nothing at all. And then for basketball, again, like we just said last week, look, basketball is made for the summer. It's not like hockey where it's weird to see it in July or August. Like, basketball is made to be in the summer. If I was the NBA, I would absolutely just as soon wait till this thing blows over and still play all the full uh, slate of regular season games and the full regular playoffs. I don't care how long it goes. And then I would launch right into the new later calendar in uh, December until, until I guess August it would go. And uh, what better timing for that excellent proposal there for the later summer league, essentially where uh, the basketball calendar would get shifted forward by two months. I mean, could you think of a better reason or a better time to do it than right now? Well, I, I, I think that uh, the uh, CEO of the Atlanta Hawks uh, must have a crystal ball in his in his room because uh, or his, in his office because uh, he was right on, and uh, I think that that's going to come to fruition. I I couldn't agree more. I would like to see in both the National Hockey League and in the NBA, though, I would like to see the full docket of playoff games. I don't give a rat's behind anymore about. Um, the regular season. I believe that we know who the 16 teams are going to be or have a pretty good inclination as to who the 16 teams are going to be that, that see the postseason or earn a ticket to the postseason. But I don't want to see a watered-down playoffs. I don't care if we don't see any more regular season games. I think when this is done, uh, if it is done within the time frame that I'm hoping for, 30 to 40 days, they're going to need a couple of weeks to get the kinks out and get some of the rust off and use those as I don't know, whatever, extra practice time or whatever. But uh, I think, you know, realistically, uh, I just want to see the games back. But the one thing that I would really want to see is the full-blown playoffs. That's that's the bread and butter. That's where you see the best games. That's where you see the best players play the best. 
And uh, I just truly think we could sacrifice a lot of the remaining regular season in, in the three sports you just talked about. National Hockey League, NBA, and Major League Baseball sacrifice some of the regular season, but make sure that we have a full postseason because that's what that's what makes sports exciting. That's what makes it fun to watch, and that's what we wait for the whole calendar year to see the following season is to see the next round of playoffs. And and uh, that would be my want. That would be my desire. Uh, Messrs. Bettman and Manfred and uh, Jane Goodell's husband and. Uh, Adam Silver haven't called me, but um, that would be my two cents worth. Concentrate on the postseason because that's really is what defines a season, in my opinion. Well, I think that the NHL is the one who has really tough decisions to make. I saw a good interview with Gary Bettman yesterday, and he said all options are on the table. They're going to have a contingency plan in place for, you know, if it's over next week, if it's over in two weeks, if it's over in three weeks, and they're also ready to deal with any new information that comes out as well. I think they'll have a plan in place. I would personally like to see no games lost and ideally just make it all a bit later. And yeah, they'd have a shorter off season. I mean, some teams would still get plenty of off season. Uh, If like, if a team doesn't make the playoffs, they would get probably a similar off season to if they had, let's say made the playoffs. But I think that I would really like to see the full docket if possible, because like you said, it would take some time it takes some time to work out the kinks here. The teams only have between, from most of the teams I'm looking at, most of them have played between 69 and 71 games. So they only have 11 to 13 games left, which I think would be useful. I could see uh, some cancellation of games that are kind of meaningless. Like maybe you don't bother rescheduling those. But the problem is, if, if only this would have even happened a few days later or something, or a couple of weeks later, like it was so close to being to being done because right now officially the only team eliminated from the Stanley cup playoffs is the Detroit Red Wings. That's it. Like as, as much as we don't think that any of the California teams, even though the Kings have won seven in a row, but they're still way out of it. uh, It, as much as we think we can pretty much identify certain teams that even though they're not mathematically eliminated, they're pretty much done. I don't know. It's pretty tough to, pick and choose with some of these teams i think what maybe what they'll do if it goes late enough that they really can't make up these games uh anyone who has any realistic shot they'll probably have to come up with some cutoff like you have to have x number of points or else you're eliminated uh but then the ones that are because there have been some really tight wild card races here i think with some of those they'll just have to say like okay well have a maybe have you have one game winner take all you know for the wild card or something like that let me tell you this. This is my opinion, and uh, you don't have to agree with it. But I will say, and I'm not, I'm not finger pointing at one organization. I'm finger pointing at the teams that are in Canada right now. I think that the Raptors in the NBA and the seven National Hockey League teams that are based in Canada are much better off right now than the other teams based in the United States. I do not think the United States government reacted fast enough to this. And I think that was part of the problem with the massive shutdown. You can go, you can go to, they've got, as I've learned through the last couple of days, and I haven't had to get tested, but you can go to a designated, even here in the city of Calgary, you can go to designated areas and get a test and it doesn't cost you anything. Whereas in the United States, just like anything, capitalism USA, and this is my home country and I'm taking a shot. Um, you have to pay, just like anything else in the United States under our current administration. 
if you have money, you're taken care of. But if you don't have the ability to pay for a test, you're screwed. And I think that ultimately the teams that are north of the 49th parallel are going to be in better shape in the long run than the teams south of the 49th parallel because the United States government, in my opinion, did not move fast enough on this. They've known about this for a long time. They've seen the devastation already in Italy. They've seen the de devastation in other in other countries, and I don't think the current administration was uh, on tap or on 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 ball with this or on mark with this or whatever you want to say. But they reacted too slowly, and that's what's led and has played a contributing factor to all these sports leagues. Where most of them, let's be honest, most of them are based in the United States. They did not move fast enough on this, and ultimately, it's cost them. Yeah, it's quite an unprecedented situation that, you know, we and we've heard so many times like, oh, SARS and bird flu and swine flu and all this other stuff. And then it never ends up being anything, at least not to us locally here in Canada or the U.S. from what I've seen. I just I don't know anyone that was in the end affected by any of those other alleged pandemics. And uh, this one is just different. So it was hard to see coming, honestly. But in the States, the issue is, I think that uh, healthcare is considered a left versus right issue, whereas up here it's it's not. Like I mean, it's just, again, it's just, that, it's just that healthcare. Just goes back, that just goes back to government, Chris, and the government now, led by you know who, who's more worried about what's happening at at a steel company. And yes, the the uh, the numbers are fantastic, the economy is strong, but um, his administration's lack of being on top of this are costing him right now and costing the United States right now. And, um, you know, um, there, again, it goes back to who can afford a test. You can go to a lot of different places in Canada in individual cities and get a test free of charge because of our universal health care. Uh, unfortunately down there in the United States, it doesn't work that way. And people that have the money can go get tested tomorrow if they need be if they've got the money to pay for it. But there's a lot of people in the 600 million people or whatever the number is that live down in the United States, not everybody has the, capa the capacity to do that. And that's why all those other uh, uh, flus and, and you, know, you talked about SARS and all these other different things, all of those obviously didn't pan out to where this one has gotten us to. But obviously the, the United States and the government did not react fast enough, in my opinion. Well, they certainly could have reacted faster, taken other measures. But in terms of the systemic healthcare system, I mean, that has been there for a long time like that. I mean, Obama was in power for eight years, and he didn't bring in universal health care or something like that. I'm, I'm uh, all for universal health care. Again, I don't think it's a left or a right issue. I think it's just health care. I was in a taxi in Vegas uh, with uh, our buddy Ryan uh, in uh, October of 2018, and had a great yeah. conversation well, not, with you this. You haven't been in Vegas in a taxi in the last six weeks. No, but we had a great conversation, and he kind of was wondering where we were kind of on health care. He figured, you know, we'll be pro, uh, you know, universal health care. And, you know, I said, well, yes, but it's not a left-wing or right-wing issue to me. It's just, it's health care. I mean, it's that that is part of the problem is that it's become a left or right issue in the States. But, I mean, it's been like that forever. 
And uh, I, I think all countries should have universal health care because to me, it's not about being left wing or right wing. It's just health care and it should not be something that goes into the political realm like that. So uh, everyone should have obviously have free health care and everyone should obviously have access to free testing when it comes to pandemics like this. And I mean, look, humans have to learn the hard way. Humans aren't really good at just kind of seeing you know, unprecedented new things coming their way. So once they happen, we'll be prepared more. I mean, when when there started being terrorism with planes, uh, all of a sudden now, you know, you, you see what we've got as a reaction for better or for worse. But now you know, that we've funny. had this, then maybe we'll be prepared, better prepared for future pandemics. Well, if the United States citizens had some information uh, made available to them and to make some decisions, maybe that would help make some of their decisions easier. But it's funny. If people are listening to Unscripted for the first time, they're going to have trouble figuring out the American who sounds like he should is, is a Canadian and the Canadian who sounds like he's an American. <laughs> no, hey, well, hey, like I say, I don't know. I, I'm all about universal health care, so I probably don't sound that American to some Americans, but I just don't think that it's a left-wing or right-wing issue. It's just health I'm going to get comments, and people are going to say, stay up there, you asshole. So, um, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, I, I'm fine with that. Um <laughs> I do. I, I want to get off this topic because um, we can't win uh, on this one. But I do want to take full advantage today of I got full advantage or full uh, full autonomy today to from my wife, who is the Calgary Flames number one fan. I got full autonomy today to bitch about the Calgary Flames. So I'm going to take advantage of that because I have to do that. Uh, on the low key sometimes, um, but this time I've got carte blanche to do it. I was very disappointed to hear today, and I also have to include the Winnipeg Jets in this as well. One of the byproducts of these arenas being shut down is the hourly staff, the concessions guys, the uh, game operations staff, all these hundreds of people that work these games, and that's their number one income. I was very disappointed today to hear that the two teams that I heard of, I don't know about Edmonton, so I won't comment on them, but I have heard about the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets have decided not to pay their employees, their game day staff, their game day employees throughout throughout this whole thing, regardless of how long it, it lasts. Those people, again, the games, game day staff are not going to be receiving their regular paychecks, and I think that's bullshit. I think that is total bullshit. Yet the Calgary Flames aren't going to pay their game stay their game day staff people, but they're going to continue to continue paying their multi-millionaire millionaire hockey players. I think something's wrong in and of itself right there. Um, I think that the Flames management should go to their high-priced talent and make them make a donation to keep these people that are living paycheck to paycheck. Make sure that they get a little. They still get their paycheck. I just think it's ridiculous that you're paying the millionaire hired help that can survive a couple of weeks without a paycheck versus guys and ladies that don't have that same ability to survive weeks without a paycheck. And I think that really, really looks bad for the floodplain flames and the Winnipeg Jets. I'm very disappointed when I heard that. Yeah, that's been really disappointing. But the good thing is that, of all things, the players have been stepping up in a lot of cases. You might have heard Zion Williamson is giving $100,000 to the New Orleans Pelicans. I think. Yes, I've heard Zion Williamson. I've heard Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I think I, also, I think Kevin Love also, was the first. I think was the first. I also have not heard 
from Mark Giordano. I've not heard from, um, oh, I don't know, who's the goaltender? Connor Hellebuck out in Winnipeg of making the same contribution. And I'm very disappointed about that for the game t- the game day staff people that are literally getting screwed because there's nothing they can do about it. And I think that somebody should make that good. I really do. Yeah, and so uh, Blake Griffin has agreed to do it as well. And, uh, and, you know, he just said he was follow- on Twitter. He said he was just following suit with Kevin Love. So Kevin Love is doing it. Zion, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is something that obviously billionaire owners should be doing. I, I would like to hear from Daryl Cates. I'd like to see him as a billionaire say that he's going to take care of these people, but we haven't heard that yet. But uh, yeah, that, that that really is a is a black mark on on these things. If you can't pay these people whatever minimum wage or whatever they make for a, for a few weeks, uh, when you're when you're a billionaire, they need to uh, they need to get going I'm on that. Pretty for confident. Sure. I'm pretty confident in saying that we won't hear from Uncle Eugene. Oh well, if there's one owner we won't hear from, it would be the uh, you know most morally ambiguous one who also has the least money. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, let's let's go through some of the stuff we're seeing because that was the real quick. I, I yeah. just real quick want to make a. Point oh, I'm sorry, sorry. And if you want to bash the flames some more, I didn't want to step on your toes on that either. No, no, no. I'm done with that. I made my point. Um, I did want to make mention about how difficult it's going to be to reschedule the Masters. Um, people may or may not know this. The Masters, the golf course itself down in Augusta, Georgia, is considered what they call a winter track. And what I mean by that is they stay closed over the summer. Usually after the Masters, which is played the second week of April, the Masters then closes from the end of May until early to mid-October. Over the summer, because of the grass there and everything else, it's so pristine. And so, and obviously there aren't a lot of people except for one week a year that play the Masters. But you cannot, if you're a member, you cannot play the Masters golf course between the end of May and let's say mid-October because again it, it's being called a winter course so it's going to be very difficult I think to find a date to reschedule the Masters I think it would be a travesty that the Masters doesn't get played for the first time ever the Masters came into our into our scope as a, as a major sporting event for the first time ever in 1934 when it was called the Augusta Invitational And I think it's going to be very difficult for Fred Ridley, who is the chairman of the of Augusta National Golf Course. It's going to be very difficult for them to reschedule the Masters. And of all the major championships in golf, um, obviously, they got rid of the players this week. And it's technically not a major, but realistically, it is with what they like to boast as the best field in competitive golf. with the U.S. Open, with the British Open, with the PGA, they have a standing. There's no question. Every June on Father's Day, you expect to see the U.S. Open. But the one that people resonate the most with, the one that people, even if you're not a golf fan, you watch the Masters just because of its uniqueness on those beautiful green, uh, you know, after a long winter and you see those beautiful green fairways and those unbelievable greens and that white sand and everything about it is so unique and so different. But because of the of the of the way that the golf course is maintained down there, again the winter course thing, they're closed after the end of May. Now they can certainly open it up whenever they want. They have the ability to do so. But what kind of status or what kind of state will the golf course be in 
would be a big question of mine. And I think it's going to be very difficult for them to reschedule the Masters for this year. And I think it would be a travesty if we didn't get to see the Masters this year for the first time since 1934. Great points. I didn't know that the it closes over the summer. I guess it would be pretty hot in the summer too, but I think... Exactly. Very, very yeah. humid and hot in Georgia during the summer, and that yeah. would be really difficult on the 144 golfers. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that if it gets pushed back a month or two, I think that they can... Uh, deal with uh, having that uh, the Masters played during that time. I don't see that being an issue, I, in my opinion. But uh, I guess but I. Then, but then you then, then potentially, and, and again, I, I agree with you. But then I'm 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 concerned that with this condensed schedule now, remember golf season, the the golf season that I grew up with, which always ended. You know, usually for me, the fourth major was always the PGA in August, and that was kind of signified or that you know, signified the end of the golf season, right? Well, this year, without the Masters, and realistically, um, anything this year is now, you know, it, it's it's tenuous to happen because uh, what happens if you, okay, we're going to be cleared to go here in June, let's say, and all of a sudden um, travel accommodation schedules are going to have to be jiggled about and everything else, but could you see a scenario where you have Father's Day weekend at the U.S. Open and next week, the next week you've got the Masters? Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but I just think the, the, uh, the, uh, the guys that do the scheduling for all the big four professional sports, golf, all of the sports that have been affected by this coronavirus, the scheduling guy just became the most important person in sports fans' lives is trying to get some of these canceled events rescheduled. I think it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, it will. Okay, I'll just go through some tweets here. I'm not going to say the handles today. I'm just going to say what their tweets are, and I'll say their names in some cases. So just what you think of some of these tweets here. So a lot of these are just related to kind of being stuck at home and nothing to do. So Quinn Sutherland says, If you love soup and masturbating, this is your time to shine. (laughs) Well, you know what? The funny thing is I was thinking about this because, again, like you just said, you've got nothing but time on your hands right now. Uh, I know that I got a note yesterday. I was dealing with uh, uh, my insurance company yesterday and dealing with the contractors that needed to get paid. And, and so yesterday was, uh, you know, get everybody, get get uh, settled with the insurance company and, and get everybody paid, which I'm happily now to say that we have finally accomplished. Um but, you know, the funny thing is, if you still love your wife, I bet that the birth rate is going to go up a lot because couples aren't going to have a lot to do. And after you watch 19 episodes of the same damn television show, I bet there's going to be a lot more you know what going on. And, and uh, I would imagine nine months from now, um, they're going to be a, in the, whatever month that is, nine months from now, there's going to be a lot more births than there have been in years past just because out of sheer boredom. Well, I'm not joking. My wife is actually making soup right now. So one down, one to go, I suppose. But, uh, but uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, you're lucky you've got a good woman. I know. Yeah, I can say whatever. Yeah, it's good. All right. All right. Uh, Dan Issel, who is from Kentucky, says, check on your Kentucky friends. No basketball, no horse racing. We're basically Indiana at this point. Well, no question. I mean, um, you know, can you imagine? I think one of the most difficult things to do throughout this whole thing 
really think about it, and you've been around me long enough now to know how I feel about it, I think one of the most difficult things to do was cancel the NC2A basketball tournament. Um, that defined a lot of states. It defined a lot of people's lives. A lot of people, that is the most important thing in the world to them for that four weeks or whatever it is in, in March. And, of course, it concludes the first Monday night in, in April with the playing of the national championship game. I think one of the most difficult things to do is cancel the NC2A basketball tournament because that is just synonymous with, you know, Kentucky, Duke, uh North Carolina, even though Carolina w wouldn't have been in it this year with the first losing record under Roy Williams ever. But, I mean, you are synonymous with blue – you've heard me say this many, many times – blue blood programs. And I've just mentioned a bunch, a bunch of them. And not being able to watch Kentucky, for those hillbillies, now they're just going to have to drink Jack Daniels and Jim Beam and, and, you know, and nothing to watch as they sit there and drink themselves into submission. So – I think the toughest thing, if you were to ask me, and I know you didn't, but I'm just throwing this out here. If you were to ask me the one thing that's been the most difficult for me to imagine being canceled through all this, I think would be the NC2A basketball tournament because that just is synonymous in some parts of the United States, especially that, you know, that is their whole livelihood. That is the big main ticket item for the whole calendar year. And now they've got to wait another whole 13 months for it to come back i think that would be the my guess as the most devastating cancel of all well for me one of the biggest ones is the uh possible cancellation of wrestlemania april 5th in tampa and that and that attracts an absolutely worldwide audience which makes it even more dangerous people come from all over the world the economic boom of uh, of hosting wrestlemania in your city is estimated at about a billion dollars and it's a, it's a really, really big thing to have. And it's supposed to be hosted at Raymond James Stadium. It's an interesting thing because both the WWE and the Florida County where it's being held in Tampa, in the Tampa area, are both, it's like they're playing chicken. It's like neither one wants to cancel it. And I don't know what they're waiting for. And, and with WrestleMania, I mean, they could, they could always delay that. I don't see any problem with delaying WrestleMania, frankly. But uh, they, they seem to both not want to do it. And this is despite the fact that Vince McMahon already did suspend the XFL season. It was weird seeing that tweet too, seeing XFL has suspended its season, players free to sign with NFL teams. If you had told people a few months ago that they would see that tweet, a lot of people would have said, oh yeah, I told you so, I, know, I knew I would. But if uh, they would have known it had nothing to do with the play or the support or anything, it was some pandemic virus, would have been like well, something out of a horror movie. I got to tell you, um, I was very impressed by Mr. McMahon. Um, and I don't think either one of us would have said that a whole bunch over the last three years that we've been doing unscripted. Um, he's got a brilliant marketing mind and he's done some, obviously some things that have changed our lifestyles. But I got to say in this little corner of the world for him to come out and say that the XFL, yes, we're canceling the rest of the season, but we look forward to playing in 2021 and many years beyond that. And maybe this was all over luck. I don't know, but, what really impressed me was that all of the players were guaranteed their remaining paychecks. And I really was impressed with the XFL for that. And I will give them uh, kudos for that. And the funny thing, not funny, sorry, wrong word, 
But the ironic thing was, as we're talking here today on Unscripted, and I don't even know what episode it is. I think it's 476, but I'm not sure. Um, it was funny that, again, wrong word, it was ironic that the first XFL player from the Seattle team tested positive this morning for the coronavirus. Yeah, well, the XFL, I think, was about the last league to cancel. I don't think Vince wanted to very badly. Vince doesn't like to be told what to do ever, so I think that's tough for him. But anyway, yeah, the XFL is done for now. I wouldn't have minded if, you know, if this blows over in a few weeks, which would be ideal. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't mind if they came back, but I guess it sounds like they might not. Maybe next year, but not this year, it sounds like. So really well, just you, unfortunate. You really, you really couldn't come back if you're the XFL in a couple of weeks because once you get in, you know, uh, I don't know what the date is on the calendar today, but, you know, we're getting into the free agency season. They're, they're, they are uh, open. Doors are open for the NFL to start their next, uh, you know, the next uh, season, the calendar. On March the 18th, they are proceeding. And I don't think uh, the XFL wanted to go up against the uh, XFL free agent, uh, the excuse me, the NFL's free agent frenzy. And uh, that really is the start of the NFL season. So I think the XFL did the smart thing. They put a good product out there. I think their numbers are were not out were not outstanding, but they were better than they were 20 years ago. And I think there's enough positive that they've garnered enough momentum that uh, I'm happy to hear that the XFL is coming back in 2021 and and hopefully for years to come. Well, I actually watched Friday Night Smackdown last night, or, or some clips of it anyway, and so WWE had to go forward in an empty arena, and not just an empty arena, but at their performance center in Orlando, which is their big facility they built where they train all their new hires, and it was somewhat surreal. I made sure to watch Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro, because those are two guys that like to really lay it in. They like to make contact and make noise when they wrestle, and really like like hear, so you can hear them kicking each other you know, and all that. And so I made sure to watch that. And it was kind of surreal with the no crowd. And they're going to be uh, holding Raw this Monday from the Performance Center as well. So it, there's some neat things when you see the guys talking on the mics and there's no crowd. It's just, it's surreal. So it's it's really interesting. But uh, Corey Pronman, the great hockey scout, said that the Russian Junior League for hockey has been hosting their game still. They've been continuing on. So not everywhere is shut down. Uh, but, uh, I know, I know my buddy, Jeff back in Saskatchewan, he, uh, his, his basically, I don't know if it's beer league or whatever, but his, you know, adult rec league has been shut down now. Uh, but he actually said something interesting when he heard that hockey might be played in empty arenas originally, he was really excited for that. He really wanted to hear everything from them communicating on the ice to the yelling, the, even the swearing, just everything. He thought that he would have liked to have at least had one NHL game happen in that sort of that that middle day there where it looked like we'd have some empty arena games would have been really neat to hear it just at least one NHL game before they shut it down completely would have been nice to hear that that would have been neat you know it's funny you say that because um there was a shutdown years ago not to this magnitude obviously but there was a mumps outbreak I don't know how many years ago it was but and and fortunately for me in a previous life I got to sit courtside and I could listen to all the communication. I could hear when they're calling out picks at a basketball game. And, and, and I'm very appreciative of that and listening to the coaches screaming and listening to players, you know, yakking back and forth and asking how your mom is doing and, and she's fine. And how are, how's your mother and my kids and all this other stuff. And, 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 and it was 
that was something that I too was really looking forward to. And, and, you know, obviously I had had a ringside seat at a lot of things back in the nineties and very appreciative of that. But that was one thing I was looking forward to was to listen to the communication on the court or on the ice. And people don't realize how much talking there's going on out there. They have no real clue when you're sitting up in the stands and you can't hear it. This would have been an unbelievable opportunity. And I think people would have really, really, appreciated how much these guys communicate they're calling out picks they're calling out blocks they're calling out plays it's amazing but the funnest thing would have been listening to let's just take a a lakers clippers game as an example and the beacon back and forth between let's say lebron james and a lot of people think that Kawhi leonard is quiet and stoic out there let me tell you folks he's one of the biggest beakers out there so um i would have really enjoyed that aspect of the game Uh, I'm trying to make the best out of a bad situation, but I would have enjoyed listening to the communication and the bipartisan play going back on and forth and the the one-upsmanship and all this other stuff. That would have been something that I would have been very interested in. Yeah, it would have been a lot of fun, so I'm sad we didn't get to see that, but maybe we still will. Who knows? Nobody knows how this is going to shake out, but uh, I saw a good tweet from Michael Sherlock, the famous atheist, and this was great. There was a Christian megachurch that canceled a faith healing service in response to the coronavirus outbreak. Just think about that. Think about how yeah. how how beautiful that is. A faith <laughs> healing service. Wait, we better cancel it because there's an actual disease to cure. Oh well, boy. You know, I think that's something that is going to have to be studied, and that's uh, something that's going to have to be reviewed. I mean, are you going to allow a big congregation? at a church. Now, I know where Jack and Sharon live in Vegas, right down the street, there is a 600 person and they've got they've got room for 600 people at a congregation on a Sunday. And that's where I that's where my my hero Tim Tebow made his he went in there and and they had overflow all the people that wanted to listen to uh you know Tim Tebow speak at church, but getting back to are they going to be allowing a large contingency uh, of a congregation, let's say, of church. And I saw it this week as an example in my daughter's Ella, uh, junior high. They're canceling parent-teacher conferences next week because of the coronavirus, but why are classes still going on next week? These are all things that we're going to learn, and, and we're all going to be learning on the fly as we adjust to this new, uh, for however long it lasts, this new way of life. Are you going to be able to you know, it's just it's just amazing. And anywhere that there is a crowd, I mean, I know that here in Calgary, uh, the Jack Singer, uh, places like that, they've canceled all future performances here in the near future because they don't want crowds congregating. And and uh, but again, I think we're in better shape in Canada than we are in in many other countries in the world. Um, and so again, it's just this is going to be. This is going to be learning 101 over the next couple of weeks to see what we can do, what we can't do. And every day, we're going to get another piece of the puzzle and and, uh, try to figure it out. Yeah, well, the good thing to remember is that this disease, I know it's killed thousands of people, pretty much all older with underlying conditions. The thing that I like to see the stat I enjoyed seeing was that over half of all people who have ever been diagnosed with this disease have already fully recovered right now. Yep. So yep. that that's encouraging. Cancer did not become airborne. Uh, it, it could be worse. So uh, I'm happy to hear that. But the people that are the most scared and the most 
uh, vulnerable, and this is what's really been made apparent with the old uh, population in Italy, where they have so many old people, and the average the average age of people dying in Italy of this virus is 81. And uh, but I, I like this story. Matthew Garahan, a guy on Twitter, said he asked his 80 year old neighbor if I could pick her up any essentials from the supermarket, given how tough it is to get stuff now. Her order: four bottles of rosé. Yeah, well, go down happy. I yeah. mean, um, you know, uh, Judy works uh, for um, a company called Direct Health Solutions, and they have brought back the old house call things where the lady that my wife works for will go out for a fee, of course. Nobody does anything for free, but she will go out and make a house call. And she's been very popular with older people in outlying areas from Calgary that don't have the capacity to get into one of the hospitals in Calgary or just don't have the want or desire. And, you know, she has made it abundantly clear to Judy and I and to anybody else that she's talked to that this is another strain of the flu. We have to be diligent about cleaning our hands and all this other stuff. But again, if you're over 80, you've got some concerns. If you're under the age of six, I suppose you've got some concerns. But realistically, folks, um, if we watch where what we're doing and where we're doing it, um, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put a simplistic spin on this and say that this is, you know, this is not serious because we wouldn't have all these cancellations if it wasn't serious. But all I'm saying is, please, still, please stay diligent, folks. Um, and if you do contract it, if you contract it and 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 find out quick enough, uh, your chances of recovery are are pretty damn good. So um, let's get through this next three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, and uh, hopefully we come out of this bigger and better than we were as we entered into it. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, mention some good news because everyone's talking about all the doom and gloom and there's no good answers for a timeline or a cure or anything like that. So I want to mention some good things here. So Canada's first coronavirus vaccine made in Saskatchewan is now in testing stages. So they're testing a new vaccine already made in Saskatchewan. So that's really neat. And uh, there was a really neat video where it showed a bunch of uh, Chinese uh, workers from the last temporary hospital in Wuhan, where this all started, and it showed them one by one all taking off their masks symbolically. So uh, they're they're shutting down the last temporary hospital in Wuhan because they went from the worst day in February was when they had 15,000 new cases in one day. And uh, now this past week, uh, there's only been 15, not 15,000, but just 15, one five new cases this entire week. So uh, they're now already pat. They're already sh- they've already shut down all the temporary hospitals. So we've uh, gotten past. We may like maybe we've gotten past the worst of it. Maybe we're other parts of the world are just getting started. I don't know, but there is certainly good news out there for sure. And well, I have a, I have a question for you, if I may. Yeah. How do now I. And again, this is just my sick mind, and, and I'm having some fun with this. It's good to talk to you, and it's nice to talk to somebody besides my wife and kids, and I love them, but, you know, when you're in this self-whatever. Um, but I did hear this morning that the Wynn Sportsbook closed this morning in Vegas, or closed yesterday in Vegas. How do you for, how do you think the sports books? you know, there's a lot of futures bets on games that won't be played, obviously. Does... 
does the uh, sport book have to refund all these bets or do you get a credit or I, I'm asking you because here me, Mr. Vegas, I don't know. How do you think they handle that? Oh, well, there's always been rules for uh, if a game is canceled. So any anything that's canceled and doesn't come to fruition has to be refunded. I'm certain that, oh, okay. that I'm not concerned about okay. that at all because any game can be canceled. Uh, I mean, no. for anything. So, yeah, I'm not worried about that. I don't think they have to make any new rules for that. That's uh, if if your if your bet never happens, then you get your money back, and that's it. But yeah. I got to tell you, one of the funniest things I've seen in my lifetime. I saw a picture this morning of a of the as they were shutting down at the win yesterday. It was just funny to me to see all the big boards in the win sports book, and I've been in there many times. The beautiful book, um, all the big boards lit up. Not one game. That was just eerie to me, and uh, it's just a sign of the times right now. But, you know, that's one of the more popular books in Las Vegas. Uh, and to go and see where all the games would be lit up on their big, big electronic, big scoreboards, I don't know what else to call them, but to see not one game listed, that was really something that I never really thought I would see in my lifetime. Yeah, well, Daniel Negreanu posted that he need that all poker games, in his opinion, should be shut down because he said that's about the most contagious environment possible. You're not just sitting close to people, but you're touching all the same cards and everything. Correct. So, so that's probably a good idea, especially since there, you can do online tournaments in the interim uh, while you're waiting for that. But yeah, but then I saw a video last night as well of a. Uh, Looks like a you know the table games, the craps and the blackjack and all that at some casino in Vegas, and it was just packed in there. And uh, you know, someone said Vegas don't give a fuck, and it just was you know <laughs> people are just going on like nothing happened. And then in Louisiana, they showed that a bunch of stuff got shut down, and then Bourbon Street was just packed. You're just shoulder to shoulder with people, so it's not really helping anything. But uh, yeah, I did want to mention uh, I did find. Uh, an ownership group here. So the the Golden State Warriors ownership players and coaches will contribute one million dollars, not just hundred thousand, one million dollars to a disaster relief fund for Chase Center employees. So hope hopefully that uh, that starts something and pressures you know, the other billionaires into doing something. I was very I'm very impressed to hear that, and thank you for letting me know about that. Um, that that really says um, to me a lot from Joe Lacobe and and the ownership group of the Golden State Warriors. Um, that's why they will always be a classy organization, and you don't mind when they continue to kick everybody else's ass in the NBA. Maybe not this year, but as we've talked about in years past. I also want to send kudos to the people that run the um, Staples Center in Los Angeles and also to the Los Angeles Lakers, Clippers, and Kings, as they have all made monetary donations to make sure all of their game staff operations, people are getting paid through this. Um, I, I'm very happy to hear that. And again, I, I, I'm not happy to hear what I heard about in Calgary and Winnipeg. I hope somebody rectifies that. Uh, these people have, you know, don't have the, the, the lying around extra money that they can support themselves. If this goes six weeks or goes eight weeks or goes 12 weeks, whatever the length may be. Um, and I'm very happy to see that these guys are taking care of their people. Um, a lot of people don't realize that these game state, these game staff administrations and whatever have a lot to do with these athletes getting ready to play night in and night out. And I'm happy that they're going to get compensated. They have no control over this. Nobody has any control over this. And I'm happy to see that these people in Los Angeles, and you just told me about San Francisco are going to get compensated as they should. It's one thing if they were screwing up on the job, but these people have 
they have uh, they have no recourse, and I'm happy to see that they're getting compensated. Yeah, and then Sergey Bobrovsky offered a hundred thousand to the BB and T Center employees, and then his teammates are going to match that. And then ownership of the Florida Panthers said they'll put in whatever else is needed. So I think even though owners haven't been impressive with stepping up right off the bat, I think they will get pressured into it eventually. Most of them, probably not well, you know not more, Eugene, the- but the rest maybe. Well, Uncle Eugene's a moron, but you know it's funny, and I, I, it's time to make a joke. I think um, we've done enough doom and gloom. If you were, you know, I'm glad that that uh, the goalie stood up and and uh, and made a contribution on on behalf of the Florida Panthers. But I got to say this: um, if they were to pass the hat at the Florida Panthers games down in Sunrise, Florida, they'd only probably make about eight dollars and thirty seven cents. <laughs> yeah, the collection plate. It'd be like on The Simpsons when the collection plate comes around to Homer and he puts in the ten cents off shake and bake coupon in there, <laughs> and uh, and Marge is like Homer, and then you know, and then Homer says, "We can spare it, Marge. We've been blessed." You know. Yeah. So well, it's like uh, a- as uh, as your uh, as your work. Uh, changed its location or do you still go into the head office next week no it's a good question uh so we've got a lot of at-home agents but also they have now offered they came around yesterday and offered everyone to be able to go home and temporarily work from home if you would like to and uh, i said no because i want to defiantly maintain my normalcy in my life and i'm just i'm not concerned even if i got coronavirus what's it gonna do like i you know oh don't make me sit at home play nintendo for two days i mean for me it's i'm sorry it's not gonna do too much to me i know it it's hurt a lot of people and it's killed people but uh for young people with no underlying conditions it's been it's been really good i i'm not worried about it and uh i i'm just gonna keep going into work and i mean really in alberta we've only had a couple dozen cases, and it's all been international travelers coming in. And so I, I'm really just, I, I'm not uh, concerned. It's not like, again, like I said, it's not like cancer became airborne. For me, I, I don't want to overreact. I don't like seeing all of this panic shopping and doom and gloom stuff and people thinking that, you know, that there's going to be the collapse of Western civilization and capitalism from this. It, it, like, again, over half of people have already fully recovered who had this. And so... I just, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep going into work exactly like normal. I'm not going to change a thing. Well, I'm right there with you, pal. Um, I, I am going in on Monday morning. Uh, I will be in and out, let's say. Um, we have been given the option to stay at home or go into the office. I, we have now gone over an hour, and, and uh, we can probably wrap things up here, but I would like to sh- give a shout-out. Um, I'm not happy. Um, I've got to be honest in regard to the economy right now in, in Alberta. I think our current government, uh, in Ottawa has forgotten. And I've said this many times and unscripted and I'll keep saying it. We have, uh, here in Alberta, I think that Ottawa has forgotten that there are people that are living west of Ontario, but I do have to give a shout out to Health Canada. They have combated this, I think, very well. They've kept us informed. They've made testing accessible. If you think that you have the symptoms of coming down with this. And so while Mr. Trudeau and the rest of his government can pound salt for all I care, in regard to Health Canada, I'm very impressed uh, the way that they've kept us informed. They've given us options as to how to treat this. 
and get the help that we need. And I think that in regard to Health Canada, they've come to the forefront, and I'm very impressed uh, by them, by that organization. And I think that we need to give some shout-outs to Health Canada. Uh, they have done a remarkable job. And uh, I think the, the stat that really drove it home for me was what you just said. There have been, what, 12 cases in Alberta, and they've been all from out-of-towners. So um, I, I want to give – I have been very hard on the Canadian government, and rightfully so, because they're a bunch of limp dicks. But in regard to Health Canada, I think they've done a terrific job, and they need they need to hear – that uh, we are uh, proud of them and we are uh, in their debt for keeping us uh, informed as to what's going on and how we combat it if something should happen to us. And I wanted to give out a shout out to Health Canada. Yeah, it's good to mention all the brave men and women who have, uh, in some cases, been volunteers, but even just been medical workers and that's their job and uh, just been on the front lines and having to wear masks and and work around people you know are sick all day. It's just got to be horrible. And then, of course, all the people working, uh, even as cashiers at grocery stores where people are being morons and shopping like lunatics and there's high stress and everything, uh, you know, anyone who's had to deal with people that are, you know, you know, not behaving properly like civilized adults, anyone who's had to deal with that, uh, my heart goes out to you and... Uh, much respect for for doing your job, as Bill Belichick would say. Uh, before we go, I wanted to quickly. Well, one thing I want to do, I wanted to clarify uh, about the South Korean test. So I, I just looked it up while we were talking here. So the test itself takes less than ten minutes, uh, but then results uh, you get the next day. Results are texted to you, which is really convenient. But basically, you get in your car, you drive there, drive through test, Kate, take off, go back home. And then, and it only took 10 minutes, and then next day you get a text and it tells you your test results. So, uh, yeah, that's a a nice thing. But uh, real quick, just uh, some quick headlines that I wanted to mention before we get out of here. So I don't know if you heard this or not, but Trevor Bauer is putting together a pickup game that's going to be broadcast and and uh, cuz he just does, he just he just you know Trevor Bauer just does whatever the fuck he wants I'm I'm enjoying Trevor Bauer more and more every day <laughs> Yeah he's going to broadcast on all his uh, social media and everything he's uh, he said all pitchers and hitters will be mic'd up that's mandatory open to any other rule suggestions so he's organizing that and um, yeah and then in addition to the Saskatchewan story researchers in Canada have isolated the COVID-19 virus I, I guess that could actually be the same uh, about the same group in Saskatchewan, I'm not sure, but uh, one girl pointed out hockey got suspended for like a day in Canada, was like, sorry, no, and uh, so we're already almost solved that one. Uh, some some athletes in the NCAA are going to get another year of eligibility because of this. That's great, yep. And, That's uh, great. Yeah, uh, Scott Adams talked about uh, the Dilbert creator. He said, I found a picture of the most selfish people on the planet, and he showed all the all the people hoarding toilet paper. For whatever reason, like that, like that's an essential. Like I don't know what people are thinking. Uh, someone, a uh, Sam Farmer said it's now a felony to toilet paper houses. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Uh, so what else did I say? Oh yeah, I like this one. Our our buddy Mike Leach, the coach. Uh, he always yep. has something funny to say. This isn't really anything to do with the virus, but he just said, with the rise of self-driving vehicles, it's only a matter of time until there's a country song where the guy's truck leaves him. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, next year, the Egg Bowl between Mississippi State and Old Miss is going to be awesome. Yeah. Lane Kiffin on one side, Mike Leach on the other side, and I don't even care if they play the damn game, just watching those two 
at, with the preamble up to that game is going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch Mississippi, Mississippi State next year. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And then um, I like someone put up a, a picture of a stick man and it just said, this is Bob. Bob is not panicking. Bob listens to scientists instead of social media. Bob is not buying non-perishables and toilet paper in bulk. Bob washes his hands all year long because he's not gross and knows basic hygiene. Be like Bob. <laughs> also, before we get out of here, I do want to say once again, and I think it, it was painfully clear, as difficult as it was to hear these leagues, these sports leagues being suspended indefinitely, again, the guy at the top of the list, that's the torchbearer, the guy that the other, and you know what? Bettman has done a hell of a job. I don't put Bettman in this category, but I certainly put Jane Goodell's husband and uh, Mrs. Manfred into this category. Adam Silver is, without a question, the number one commissioner in all of team sports. Yeah. He is at the head of the line. He was again on Wednesday night. All it took was one confirmation that one of his players and boom he jumps right into action and i tell you adam silver people should be taking lessons from adam silver yeah i mean everyone else was like oh what should we do should we empty arena delay what should we do and then silver's like hey we're shutting it down and then everyone else was like oh i guess we have to shut it down adam silver shut it down so i guess we have to do the same thing so yeah i mean whether I you agree with him or not yeah he he leads by example and everyone else is just sort of reacting I, to adam I've silver got a new nickname i've got a new nickname for adam silver and it's out of all respect to him i'm calling him the pied piper because he is a leader and the rest of us have to follow him. He is a terrific commissioner for the NBA. Yeah, he really is. And okay, last three headlines I wanted to say. Uh, the Onion at The Onion. Harvey Weinstein placed under intensive suicide encouragement at Rikers Island. Uh, and another one from The Onion. Another one from The Onion. Co-workers at Bathroom Sink locked in tense standoff over who going to wash hands longer. Uh, <laughs> And do you think do you that? think Weinstein do you think Weinstein will ever do another day of freedom? Well, he's not so. he's not gonna uh, make any mo any more movies and be able to say, "Hey, kid, I'll uh, take you to the top." If you uh, you know, like he's not gonna be able to get away with that shit. But uh, will he be? I don't think he sees another day of freedom, and I think that's the right call to make. I mean, no one. The thing is, no one's gonna feel sorry for him. I. I don't know enough about the specifics of exactly what he did. I mean, yeah, intimidated and, you know, uh, in, uh, you know, grossly inappropriate. And, uh, you know, I don't care what happens to him. But I, in terms of making a prediction, I'm not sure because I don't know all the details of the cases. I mean, at best, he, he'll get, you know, his best case scenario is house arrest and being a pariah and living in seclusion. That's his best case scenario. But I mean, so essentially his freedom's gone, no matter if he got out or not. But right. uh, yeah, I have I have no idea. But uh, you know, no one's gonna feel sorry for him when when you don't don't just screw up when you start an entire movement and change society in well y you do something horrible and you know mostly good I guess some bad comes from it but mostly good uh, yeah, yeah I mean when you're patient zero of societal change uh, you know you're you're screwed so I don't know yeah. but yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to say this is from a headline from Not Sports Center at Not Sports Center and I just thought this reminded me of you so I thought you'd enjoy it. it says uh breaking the NFL has announced it is canceling the Detroit Lions and uh, <laughs> and uh this uh, alleged quote from Roger Goodell said it's nothing virus related we just felt it was a good opportunity to put them out of their misery. <laughs> 
I've had a lot of fun doing this. It's been good to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, have a good week. Uh, say hi to Martina. And um, hopefully we can get together sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully next week, like, I, who knows how it is. I mean, to be fair and to just full disclosure here, Mike and I are not paranoid and in self-isolation or anything like that. It's just that uh, we didn't think there'd be too much to talk about, at least not for variety's sake. And it's snowy and minus 20 or whatever it is here. We're getting our, our late winter last squall and surge here. So it just wasn't worth driving across town in crappy weather with only the one topic. So uh, that's what it is. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, The Onion also mentioned that uh, James Harden is uh, pledging $10 million $1 bills to keep the nation's strip clubs afloat during the pandemic as well. funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway awesome okay well yeah that was great mike thanks uh, thanks for taking the time and it was good and i'll try to get this up later today and stay warm and um yeah wash your hands and and all that good stuff and uh, hopefully we'll we'll talk to you next week all right bud you be well and uh maybe we'll become unscripted on uh i don't know we'll come up with something but uh yeah, I, we're not afraid of this. Uh, we're, we're abiding by the rules. We're doing what we're told to do. But uh, ultimately, um, I think we'll be okay in the end. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, everyone listening enjoyed this episode, which featured, a, I hope, an outbreak of sanity and rationality. And I hope you enjoyed it. So thanks for joining us, as always. For Mike Jansen, I'm Chris Fluke. And hopefully we will see you next week.